The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. Take your Bible in hand and come with me to probably the easiest passage of Scripture you have to find, and that's Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. And while you're turning, I... I want you to help me welcome Harold Green as our worship leader this morning. Harold is with us. Thank you. Harold is with us uh, this week and next week. Uh, We appreciate his willingness to step in the gap and to help us in worship leadership. Uh, And for that, we give praise unto the Father. This morning, uh, this morning, we prepare to launch a new sermon series. But before we do that, I want to give you a peek of what is to come. That is, I want you to pull out your phone right now. Go ahead and reach over, pull out your phone. Rarely would I ask you to do such, for you may be texting someone as I try to preach in a moment. But I want you to look up Sunday, November the 24th, Sunday, November the 24th, and I want you just to reserve that day to be here at Emmanuel Madness Church. That Sunday is going to be Baptism Sunday. On the 17th of November, the week before, I'm going to be preaching on the doctrine of baptism. I want you to know biblically what the New Testament teaches about this precious ordinance of the church. But, but here's why I want to tell you that Baptism Sunday is coming on November the 24th. Because I know in a congregation our size, there are always people who are struggling with this issue of the ordinance of baptism. They're wondering thoughts like this. Do I truly know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? Have I really made a commitment to him? Am I truly his follower? And there's an element of a lack of assurance about your relationship with the Lord. Or perhaps you have come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but you've never found the courage to follow him in believer's baptism by immersion. We want to help you settle both of those issues in your spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus. And so between now and November 24th, if you've been struggling, wondering about your relationship with the Lord, would you please give me the privilege of sitting down with you with a cup of coffee and talking about your relationship with Christ? I would love to show you what the New Testament says about knowing that you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and having confidence and assurance about that relationship. If you're wondering, is my, my baptism that I experienced as a child or perhaps as a teenager, is it really biblical? Give me the privilege of sitting down and talking with you between now and November the 24th. And who knows, perhaps as you seek the leadership of the Lord, as we talk together, as we pray together, perhaps the Lord will lead you or a member of your family to come to know Christ and to follow him in believer's baptism on that day as we celebrate our relationship with Christ together, November the 24th. Parents, I especially want to say to you, perhaps you've had one of your children who have been asking you about being baptized. Perhaps they've been asking you about asking Jesus into their heart and and you're not exactly sure how to handle that conversation. I want to help you with that. So please, here's what I did this week. The entire week leading up to November 24th, I've blocked out every night to be able to sit down with you and your family 
to help you think through these issues about a biblical relationship with Christ and a biblical baptism. But let's not wait till that final week. Let's start having some of those conversations in the days to come. I'm here to serve you and make sure that you have a vital, growing relationship with the Lord Jesus. If I can help you with that, I certainly want to. November 24th, Baptism Sunday. Now we start a new sermon series this morning, a sermon series on stewardship. And usually when we hear the word stewardship in a Baptist church, everybody goes, no, he's going to talk about money, money, money. And you're right. <laughs> because you can't talk about stewardship without talking about our responsibility before the Lord biblically with the money he's blessed us with. And so one of our four sermons uh, in this series will be dealing with kingdom financing. You see that on October 27th. We're going to uh, deal with the issue of the biblical pattern for kingdom financing. But stewardship is a much broader biblical subject than simply dollars and cents. Stewardship begins, as we study this morning, understanding foundationally that everything we have belongs to the Lord. Amen? Everything we have is His already. We have to start there, and we're going to see that in Scripture this morning. You're going to need your copy of God's Word. And, and then next week, we're going to look at the gift of gifts. We're going to see that part of stewardship is understanding God has given us spiritual gifts that we're to use in service unto him. A, a part of understanding stewardship is to understand what I call the gift of opportunity. That as we walk through life, the Lord gives us opportunities to serve him. Opportunities as mothers and fathers to serve the Lord as biblical parents. The opportunities within the local church to serve the Lord as a Bible study teacher, a member of the worship team, a deacon at the church, to be involved in the life of the congregation. The gift of opportunity to serve the Lord. And then after we've laid all of those building blocks on this house of stewardship, we'll come to understand kingdom financing on October the 27th. So with your Bible in hand, stand with me in honor of the reading of one verse of Scripture where it all begins, this concept of everything belongs to God as we look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Father, would you help us to understand just a simple biblical bedrock principle this morning. That everything belongs to you. For Father, once we understand that everything we have in life belongs to you. It is easy for us to release that which we have into ministry for your glory. So teach us, Father, this morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're being seated, come with me to this thought. Everything belongs to God. I want us to see from just a few verses in the Old Testament this morning that everything belongs to God for two reasons. First of all, he created everything. And secondly, he claims everything. 
We look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God creates everything. And then we're going to see from the Psalms that God claims everything as his own. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God, the word used there is the Hebrew word Elohim, created. Now I want you to think for a moment at that word created. He created the heavens and the earth. The word used in the Old Testament there for created is a Hebrew word that means to create from nothing. That's important to understand. You see, men, we build things, don't we? We build homes, we build bridges, we build roads, we build hospitals and schools. Men have the mental and physical ability, and I include women as I say men, mankind, to, to take certain elements and from those elements to put them together as an architectural puzzle and to build certain edifices. We can take concrete and we can take lumber and we can take metal and we can take uh, asbestos and, and we can put all that together and a house is built. But God, God creates from nothing. God takes when it's formless. God takes when it's void, Scripture teaches. God takes when there's nothing but darkness. And God begins to speak. And when God begins to speak from nothing, creation comes into existence. He creates grass and he creates trees and he creates flowers all from nothing. He, he creates birds and fish and animals from nothing. He creates man from nothing. Man doesn't have the ability to create. Only God creates. And so as we begin our study about stewardship this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand everything belongs to God because God, God created it. When you leave this building today and walk toward your car, you're going to see the green grass. You're going to see the beautiful trees. If you listen closely, you're going to hear the birds that are singing. You're going to look across the parking lot and see moms and dads and children who are laughing and loving and hugging one another and playing together. And every created thing you see is there because God creates from nothing. Not only does God create, but I want you to see from um, the Psalms that God also claims. Come with me to Psalm 24. Turn to about the middle of your copy of God's Word, Psalm 24. And in Psalm 24, verse 1, we find these words. The earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. But look with me quickly, Psalm 50 and verse 10. It should be on the screen for us this morning. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot escape the fact that everything belongs to God. He created it. And in these two, three verses from Psalms, we see that he claims it. The animals, God says, I claim them. The cattle on a thousand hills, God says, I claim them. 
The birds in the mountains, I know them, I claim them. The insects in the field, I claim them, they're mine. If I'm hungry, I would not tell you because everything there is belongs to me. You know why it's so important that we grasp this concept that everything belongs to God? Because the average churchgoer lives as if everything they possess belongs to them. Think with me about that truth. We have to begin this stewardship series adjusting our thought process. If we're the average U.S. Christian, if you will, we live as if everything we have belongs to us. To understand biblical stewardship, we have to jettison that thought and begin to understand everything we have belongs to God. Let me give you two examples of how we live as if everything belongs to us. NP Source. NP Source is nonprofit source. It's an organization in the U.S. that studies nonprofit organizations, gifts to nonprofits, expenditures of nonprofits. They released a study in July of 2018. And they discovered that the average U.S. Christian gives 2.5% of their income to the church. Let that sink in a second. The average U.S. Christian gives 2.5% of their income to the church. Now, we're going to study on October 27th from the book of Malachi that there is a standard for our giving. Amen? The standard for our giving is the tithe. Biblically, anything less than the tithe is disobedience before the Lord. We have to come face to face with that. It's easy to come to face to face with that if we understand that 100% of what we have financially belongs to God already. You see, the struggle with the tithe is if we think our money is ours and we're just giving a portion back to God. The tithe becomes easier when we understand 100% of what we own belongs to God already and we're simply returning to Him what is rightfully His to begin with what he requires as 10%. We're going to study that October 27th. But this morning, the average U.S. Christian just gives 2.5%, not 10%, not 9%, not 5%, but 2.5% of their income to the church. But look at this next financial statistic. It's even worse. NP Source found that 37%, look at the phrase, Regular church attendees don't give any money to the church. 37%, more than one out of three, regular church attendees. We're not talking about people who are simply here on Christmas Eve and Easter Sunday. We're talking about regular church attendees. People who are active in the life of the church. People who regularly attend the services of the church. And over a third... Do not give 10%, do not give 5%, do not give 2.5%, do not give one red cent to the church. Why? Because we think everything belongs to us. That which we possess is mine. My home is mine. My car is mine. My bank account is mine. My paycheck is mine. And what we're discovering this morning from God's word is your house is God's. 
Your paycheck is God's. Your bank account is God's. Everything you have is His. Finances. There's another area in which we prove that we think everything we possess belongs to us. It's in our children. Tim Castile is the head of Campus Crusade for Christ on the campus of the University of Arkansas. Castile has written several articles on, on factors that prohibit, limit, discourage college graduates from serving the Lord in full-time vocational ministry. He began to observe that when, when his students were graduating as seniors, that he was having a difficult time getting them to consider full-time Christian ministry. He found two reasons overwhelmingly by the testimony of his graduates of why they were reticent, why they were discouraged from serving the Lord in full-time ministry. The second reason, finances. You probably were thinking that, money. They have student debt they have to pay off. They, they've gotten into severe debt while they've been in school, and so they have bills to pay, and ministry is not lucrative financially. But I want you to look at the number one reason. What's the word on the screen, church? Parents. Parents. P parents who believe that their children are theirs, and so they try to guide their children in, in those professional paths that they think will benefit the children instead of understanding that our children do not belong to us. Our children belong to the Lord. And when He calls them to ministry, we should be the first to cheer them on. We should be the first to surround them in prayer. We should be the first to help them along that path. But all too often, according to Tim Castile, parents are the roadblocks for their children serving the Lord. We have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, everything belongs to God. Our paycheck, our bank account, our home, our children, they're His. Now, the second thing I want you to see this morning is that God in His sovereignty, everything belongs to God, but God in His sovereignty gives gifts to us. God in His sovereignty, He sits on the throne of the universe, He owns it all, but God has sovereignly chosen to place into your life certain gifts. Now, let's see James chapter 1, verse 17. For the sake of time, just look with me on the screen. Every good thing, James says, given, and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Look at this next passage of Scripture, if you will. Look at some of these gifts that he gives us. These good gifts. He gives us life. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. You awakened this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You drew your first breath when the alarm clock sounded this morning. Why? Because God has given you life. If He had not given you life through the evening, your eyes would not have opened. Your lungs and heart would not have worked this morning when your phone sounded. You're alive today because He has given you life. Not only is He giving you life, look what else He's given you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. You want to take a look at the giving nature of our sovereign Lord. Just look to Calvary. He gave his only begotten son to bleed and suffer and die as payment for your sin and my sin. He gave Jesus crucified on the cross for us. Look what else he's given you. He's given you grace and faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. This God who owns everything has given you life. He has given you the, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross as payment for your sin. And he has given you grace and faith with which to embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's given you everything you need to have an intimate relationship with him. Through his son, Jesus. There's something else he's giving you. He's giving you his spirit. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. That he may be with you forever. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. He has given you a helper if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In other places, the Holy Spirit is referred to as a healer. He's referred to as a comforter. He has given you his spirit to walk with you in life. Ladies and gentlemen, God owns everything. But in his sovereignty, he has given some of the most valuable gifts man can cherish to us. Life, his son, grace and faith. The Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and encourage us and help us. This morning when you came into worship, I hope you were given a card that looks like the one I'm holding. Would you take that out, please, if you were given this card when you came into worship? It simply reads, my most valuable gifts from God. I'm going to push pause on this sermon and I'm going to give you a few minutes to make your list. Now, here's the rule. The rule is you can't put every person in your family by name on an individual line. You see, it'd be easy for me to simply write Charlene and then on number two, Chip, our son, and number three, Tina, our daughter, and number four, Amber, our daughter-in-law, and and to quickly fill out that list and never have to think. So I'm going to let you put family on one line. But I want you to wrestle with what are your most valuable gifts from God in your life? Make your list on your mark, get set, go. Everything you have in life belongs to God. But in his sovereignty, he has given you some wonderful gifts. See, for each of us, it's like Christmas morning. Every day we awaken. And we just take a moment and reflect on these valuable gifts we're writing on this piece of paper. You look at your family and think, what a wonderful gift from the Lord. Some of you have written your salvation on one of those lines. What a wonderful, eternal, priceless 
gift from the Lord. Perhaps you've written health on, on that line through number three or four or five. What a wonderful, if you're here today and you are healthy, what a wonderful gift from the Lord. I don't know what you're writing on your list, friend. Here's what I know. Whatever you've written, you're not the owner. God is the owner. But the last thing we see in our sermon this morning, you are the steward. And come with me to just a few last verses of Scripture. You're not the owner of anything you've written on your list this morning. As I look down my list, just so you know these things that I've written, my salvation is first and foremost. Oh, how I thank God for the gift of my salvation. My family is there. The fact that they are spiritually and physically healthy. What a wonderful gift. The gift of prophecy, the ability God has given me to study God's word and to communicate God's word. I cherish that gift from him. Friends that he's given me all through life to walk with me. How I value those men and women. Ministry opportunities like being able to pour my life into Emmanuel Baptist Church during this season. And then the gift of prayer. Being able to pause in my day and communicate with my creator who loves me intimately. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you have written, but you need to understand while you are not the owner, God is the owner of each of those things. You are the steward of each one. Look with me at some verses of scripture. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Next slide, please. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. When God created everything, he said to man, and I want you to steward my creation. The same concept is echoed by Jesus. Matthew chapter 25. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, for I need you to see this passage of Scripture. It is this principle that everything belongs to God, but He has given us gifts for us to steward. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Maybe before we finish our time together, I'll preach a, ser a sermon series on Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13 is the parable of the ten virgins, the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. We don't have time to go into that this morning. But that is simply a teaching about the second coming of Christ, that Jesus is coming again like the bridegroom. And when he comes, we must be ready. Beginning with verse 14, however, we have the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents teaches us that Jesus Christ is coming again. We must be ready, but readiness means responsible activity. Look with me, if you will, at just a few verses of this uh, uh, talent, this uh, story, if you will. Verse 14, for it, speaking of the kingdom of heaven, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. 
who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. Now we understand, we understand this parable. Jesus is this man about to go on the journey. The journey is the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ to the right hand of the Father. And so as Jesus is preparing to ascend to the right hand of the Father, what does he do? He calls his own slaves, his followers. And he entrusts to them his possessions. The word entrusted there in that verse of Scripture, ladies and gentlemen, from the first century is the concept of a power of attorney. What Jesus is saying is he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father and while he's gone on this journey between his ascension to the right hand of the Father and his coming again in the future, he calls his followers together and he gives them power of attorney over things that belong to him. He's speaking about us, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is saying to us, he has given us power of attorney over all that is his until he returns. Let's read on. It becomes even clearer. Verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Jesus has given us power of attorney according to our abilities so that everything belongs to Him. We will steward, we will manage until He comes again. Now don't miss this next verse. Look with me, verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Ladies and gentlemen, that's pure accountability. Jesus is coming again. Amen? When He comes, you and I will be held accountable. We will be held accountable of the way we have stewarded the gifts that He has given us in this parable called talents. Everything belongs to God. In His sovereignty, He has given gifts to each of us who are his children. And when Jesus comes again, he's going to hold us accountable for the way we have stewarded the gifts that he has given us. Would you take that card in your hand one more time? Look down the list. Gifts from your sovereign Lord. One day Jesus will come back knowing that while he's been gone, he's given you power of attorney. That money in your bank account, it's not yours. It's God's and he's given you power of attorney. Those children seated around your breakfast table every morning, they're not yours. Ultimately, they are His. They are gifts of the Father placed in your life for you to steward as their mother and father. One day, He will ask you to give an account. That Sunday school class that you teach, every Sunday morning for an hour, those students aren't yours. They're God's children. He has given you to steward. And one day, one day we will all be held accountable for the way we have stewarded those gifts. I close with this. In July, 
God gave me a gift. The gift is the opportunity to serve you as your interim pastor for a season. Neither you nor I know how long that season is going to be. We pray for the coming of our new pastor. Amen. We look forward to the day of his arrival. We don't know how long this season will last, but it is a gift God has placed upon my life. Here's what I know. If you and I serve together, walk together, journey together as interim pastoring congregation for an eight-month period of time, here's what I know. When Jesus comes again and I stand before him, he will hold me accountable for these eight months as your interim pastor. He, he will want to know how did I steward, how did I exercise my power of attorney to help you grow and mature spiritually in your walk with Jesus. Here's what else I know. He'll do the same for the gift of my son, Chip. He'll do the same for the gift of my daughter, Christina. He'll do the same for the gift of my daughter-in-law, Amber. He'll do the same for the gift of Charlie, Mary Margaret, and Audrey. He'll do the same for the gift of my wife, Charlene. And he'll do the same in your life as well. Everything belongs to God. God in his sovereignty gives gifts to us. And in giving those gifts, he expects us to steward his possessions for his glory. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Every head bowed. We saw a moment ago that Jesus gave us the precious gift of his son Jesus on the cross. Jesus who lived and bled and suffered and died. As payment for your sin and my sin. This morning, perhaps you need to come to the place where you invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Master and your Savior. You need to trust Him with your soul. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation. Our invitation to you is this. If you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, or you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, would you come and just say to me, Chuck, I, I need to talk. I, I need to talk sometime this week, sometime next week, about my eternal relationship with Christ. I would count it an honor and a privilege to meet and talk and pray with you. Maybe you're here and your church membership is somewhere else, but God is leading you to be a part of this family of faith, even during this interim season. Would you come? Say, Chuck, I, I just want my family and I to be full-fledged members, servants, worshipers at Emmanuel. Maybe this morning, maybe this morning you need to reach over and just take your card in your hand, and as we stand to sing in a moment, you just need to bow your head and say, Oh, God, help me to steward these precious gifts to your glory. Father, would you take control of this moment of invitation? May your word be heard, your voice obeyed, and may you receive the glory. In Christ's name.
You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, interim pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.